Welcome to episode 47 of F-Stop Collaborate and Listen with host Matt Payne. This week's guest is Aaron Myers. Aaron is the director of product for the popular uh, photography hosting uh, website Smug Mug, and he also happens to be a fantastic landscape photographer. And this is a pretty interesting episode this week, I think. We talked a lot about the business side of landscape photography, including uh, topics such as how to think like your customers, how to price your photography, um, how to cultivate and take advantage of your buyers, like not take advantage of them literally, but, you know, get them to buy your products. Um, and we talked a lot about social media and all of the new um, problems people are facing with algorithms and uh, buying ads and things like that. Um, over on Patreon this week, uh, we talked about uh, the new popular Vero app, um, which has created quite a bit of buzz over on Facebook. And uh, yeah, uh, thank you for all of you that have uh helped out on patreon it's it's meant quite a lot to me thanks to uh kane engelbert a new subscriber my friend um we've got russell gooden we have michael howard thank you so much for pledging at such a high level i really appreciate it uh, we have keith lundquist uh josh Lowe. um just really appreciate everyone uh jeff eikoff thank you and thank you also for all of your advice on social media uh james stadler uh, James Bakavoy. As always, you can always reach out to me on social media, Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, Reddit. Um, it's all in the liner notes, uh, Matt Payne Photography or Matt Payne Photo. And uh, would love to hear your feedback on the podcast. Thank you so much. It's really cool to have you on the podcast. Thanks for so much for coming on. Thanks for having me. Yeah, man. Um, when you emailed me and suggested uh, this idea of you coming onto the podcast, I'm not going to lie. At first, I was like, hmm. But then the more I got to thinking about it, I'm like, this is actually a really great idea. So um, you are the uh, director of product for uh, Smug Mug. Is that right? Yeah, I yeah. thought it'd be a, a good chance to talk about a little bit about a different side of landscape photography than some of the other uh, awesome guests have talked about. Cool, and you also happen to also be a landscape photographer yourself, right? Yeah, that's sort of what got me into this dream job of mine. Yeah, so um, let's talk a little bit about that. So um, first, maybe just curious about like how you got into landscape photography and then maybe transition a little bit into... Um, how you landed this gig at Smug Mug, and then, um, yeah, let's go there, and then I'll ask you a question. <laughs> cool. Um, I guess uh, a number of years ago, I had a neighbor who his parents were divorced, and they his dad lived in Vancouver, BC, and we were living in Connecticut, and he'd go visit his dad for the summer and go on boating trips. And one year, I got invited and we're sailing around Vancouver and these orca whales come out of nowhere. And, and I had nothing. This was, you know, 25 years ago or something. I, there was, there were no, I didn't have a digital camera. Um, so I came home from the trip and was like, mom, I, I, I saw whales. And they were like, well, you didn't take a picture, did you? I was like, 
<laughs> nope, guess I didn't. So when I went back the next year, I found my dad had an old Canon AE-1 film camera, and I brought it with me, and that sort of was my first introduction to photography. And then in college, digital cameras came out, and I didn't have to deal with processing film, and so I got a camera and took uh, took pictures of our parties and things and had a lot of fun posting them and being the guy that you know would capture all the memories. And then uh, graduated, moved to California, and a friend of mine went to Yosemite and had just gotten a digital camera himself and came back with these amazing waterfall photos. And I was like, I want that. I have to do that. <laughs> and I went out and bought a camera the next, the next week and uh, sort of just started taking photos. It was probably how a lot of us get started where you're you know, just like you, you were hiking in the mountains and here I was doing camping trips and things to Yosemite and wanted to take pictures. And if I got lucky, I got lucky. Right. And um, then in around 2010, I happened to have a chance encounter with a guy at our office gym. And he said, hey, do you know this guy, Willie Huang? He, he takes photos too, but he goes out by himself and I'm sure he'd love some company. And I said, wait, wait, what? There's another guy at this company that likes to take photos? <laughs> And so Willie and I went out to the beach one day uh, here, here in Half Moon Bay, California, and shot together. And that's almost eight years ago now. And we've been doing a lot of photography since. I'm mostly his chauffeur at this point. He uh, <laughs> he'll fall asleep. I'll fall asleep in the uh, in the passenger seat, and and I'll do all the driving. And that means I get to come along and sure, and man. take a bunch of photos. Well, let me know when you move to Colorado, because uh, that sounds awesome. <laughs> Yeah, we'll come out and do a trip, and then you can just hop in the back. <laughs> so, so you literally got started in photography because your mom said pics or it didn't happen. Yeah, yes, pretty much. <laughs> That's awesome, yeah. dude. So, how did you how did you transition um, into being the director of product? Which my understanding is that means you're the product manager, and we'll talk more about that. But how did you become that? for smug mug yeah that was sort of um a fluke I, at some point i realized i needed to put my photos somewhere uh I, mostly i wanted to share them with my friends and whatnot and there was Flickr and all those other things and um you i started uploading all my photos and you'd run out of space and uh, i needed somewhere else to put my photos so i started looking around and i found smug mug at the time and started uploading all my photos and um so I had a mug website. I, I like paid some company to design it and make it look all nice. And in 2011, I think it was, was the uh, Golden Gate Bridge 75th birthday. Nice. And I wanted to go take pictures. They were like shutting the bridge down and they were going to do fireworks and do this whole big thing. And uh, But at the same time, David Thompson was coming into town and like, you know, this was still in the flick days and everybody knew D breezy and like, Oh my God, <laughs> D breezy is going to be in town. I want to meet him. Uh, but he didn't want to shoot the bridge. He wanted to go shoot the coast. And so, you know, it was this debate of, do I go meet David or do I go photograph the bridge? And I made the tough choice of going to photograph the bridge, which I guess in hindsight, uh, was a good decision because I took a photo uh, posted it on my website, and the next day, the founder of Smug Mug said, "Oh my God, this is the best photo of the bridge I've ever seen. We want to oh, have man. it on our walls at the company. Can we buy it from you?" 
And I said, of course you can. You can you can buy a print of it. And so they bought a print and invited me to headquarters, which was five minutes away from my work. Also happened to be in the Bay Area. And I, uh, I started to get to know a bunch of the guys at the company. And eventually I started tweaking my website even more and more and answered a bunch of their customer questions on their forums. And one day I was up in Tahoe skiing and I get a, a message on their forum that says, Hey, you want to come work for us? And I was like, well, <laughs> that's crazy. Man. That doesn't happen no, <laughs> it's like, all right, sure. And, and so then I get an email from the co-founder and he's like, so, so what are you doing right now? Are you a full-time photographer? And and um, like Willie mentioned when he was on the show, uh, he and I were both electrical engineers and we both have master's degrees. And so I said, no, uh, actually, I'm, I build rockets and uh, <laughs> master's degree. And they're like, oh, crap. What, is there anything you'd like to do at SmugMug? And I said, well, actually, I want to be a product manager. And, and it turned out they were looking for a product manager. And so it turned out to be just the perfect fit. I had a whole ton of experience with the product and uh, knew what people were looking to do because I had been helping people do a bit. And so I uh, came on, I left my old job and took a dream job doing engineering product for a photography company. And so I get to live and breathe photography uh, pretty much every day and talk to all sorts of photographers and learn about um, how they use uh, uh, what their photography workflow is like and uh, think through how we can solve some of their problems. Yeah, so it's amazing. Um, So I'm actually with uh, Zenfolio, and I know you've heard me talk about how I'm not the biggest uh, Zenfolio fan personally. And a lot of the reasons that I'm not a big Zenfolio fan are all of the reasons that I – that I've seen over the years that SmugMug does for their customers that I think is really cool. Like, like they invite like photographers to their headquarters and like, uh, they have people like you who actually will engage with their customers personally and like answer questions and help them understand what they can do differently and stuff like that. Like Zenfolio like is so clueless when it comes to customer support. It's ridiculous. Like they have so many people that are upset with them right now and they're not doing anything about it at least that's what it seems like so it's funny because i remember when i first started getting upset with them i posted something on facebook about it and i remember i think it was cole brown posted on my my thread he, he just tagged you he was like aaron myers talk to this guy <laughs> and uh, i remember you were like well here's what's cool about Smugbug, and here's why you should be on Smugbug." and i was like oh that does sound good <laughs> yeah we we try to be heroic yeah man it's i think it's awesome so what is a product manager like what do you actually do yeah so that's a great question because a lot of people confuse the role uh they hear product and often they'll hear project which is very different (laughs) Uh, a project manager is someone who basically gets things done like there's a list of tasks and schedules and they make sure all that stuff gets gets met and done Uh, product manager is very different um we are here to find and identify uh, users' problems and prioritize uh, solutions to them. So uh, it's a lot of combination of user research and understanding how important something is. And then once we've prioritized a, pro- a project or a product, uh, 
a feature. We then work with the design and engineering team to figure out how it's going to work. Uh, so some of the requirements, definitions, and things. Uh, so you kind of think of it for a, a online photography platform. I'm the guy who figures out what features we're going to work on, which problems we want to tackle, and then how to fix so them. So how do you decide which um, which things you want to work on on behalf of the customers? That's a great question. Uh, part of it is as a customer myself, there's stuff I want, right? Or stuff I want, stuff you want, or, uh, you know, Dave and Willie come to me and they're like, hey, hey Myers, uh, uh, can you make this thing work for us? And, um, so sometimes there's a little bit of, of that, but I also have to recognize that uh, if uh, if this platform is going to survive, that we also have lots of other customers. And so we have a number of ways that we collect feedback. There's places where people can go and vote uh, on feature requests. And I'm, I'm sure all the platforms have this. I know, um, you know, many of the other services uh, that people can put their, their photography website on will allow people to go vote on, on you know, what's important to us or um, there'll be online forums uh, we also have help desk requests, which we can analyze and get a sense of uh, what's important. And then the other big thing is, um, you know, every company has goals and metrics that they need to hit to stay alive or that they're working towards you know, Instagram, for example, they have an engagement goal. Uh, and so um, mm. those kinds of uh, goals can help drive the types of projects and narrow in on what we're going to work on. And some of it is just also... Uh, we do research and we have surveys and we ask tons of customers, you know, what's the biggest problem that you're facing today? And we'll, you know, through a survey or something or talking to a number of customers, the big ones bubble up and you can identify. Sure. You know, okay. The, you know, Matt's shopping cart isn't working as well as he wants it to, or uh, I'm not selling as many prints. Oh, as you I just want. had to go there. Um, and, uh, <laughs> and so then we can go and, and decide, okay, this, this is something that we need to fix. <laughs> that's that's like the number one problem with uh, Zenfolio right now. Like the shopping cart is so broken, it's ridiculous. <laughs> yes. Always a bummer to hear when you want to try to make a living from your photography. Dude, oh, it's the worst. Like, uh, I don't know how many people were like, <clears throat> hey, I really want to buy this photo, but I can't figure out how to do it. And I'm like, oh god, I'm so sorry. That's ridiculous. Like it should be like it should be like Amazon, right? Like it should be so easy. <laughs> it should be right. Click and buy. Uh, unfortunately, right. <laughs> um, unfortunately, and I've spent a lot of time uh, digging into how people interact with uh, print purchases and and how photographers think as well. And uh, unfortunately, oh, yeah. you know, it's not like okay, I want to buy this pair of shoes, and I know I'm a size nine. With photography, we have you know all the different paper types and this, which size do I want and do I frame it? Do I put a coating on it? Do I you know want to hang it? How do I want to hang it? And so now you you get into all these uh, additional steps that deter people from buying a print. So, what? It, how do you um, for photographers that are listening, which is probably almost everyone? How how should they think? Uh, like a customer instead of like a photographer in terms of how they set up their website and how um, how they should market their products on their website. 
That is another great question. And some of it is just people have a better int- intuition for doing it than others. Um, and if, if that's something that you struggle with, uh, then there's, there's, you know, um, ways you can get around that by, you know, asking others, uh, that's typically the first thing to do is, Hey, I've got five friends who are not photographers, uh, ask them what they would do. Um, uh, if you do have some intuition yourself, then the biggest thing is to remember, okay, I take myself out of being a photographer, somebody, I want somebody to take this action. What would they go through to, to go have to go do this? Um, so, you know, while I might be thinking, okay, I really love metallic prints for this kind of photo. And I really like luster. If it's going to, if the room is too glossy, and I really want to offer this Z clay fine art canvas paper. And I really like metal prints. So I'm going to offer all <laughs> of these. Right. And then, so you're like, okay, there are all these great material types. Like this is awesome for somebody to, to buy. Uh, then you have to flip it around and say, okay, if I'm a customer and I click buy on this buy button here on, 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 you know, Matt Payne's website, um, what's, what's going to happen next? Well, they're going to see this thing that says, well, do you want to buy a metallic print or a luster print or a, a metal print or a, a canvas print? And they just go, uh, what, what, what's, what are all these differences? So, uh, one of the things I've done is very narrowed down into the, the top selling products. Um, you know, if you've sold some before, then you can narrow in on the, the top one or two. I've stopped selling glossy prints, for example, just because I think they look horrible. And, and you know, basically I, I use two, uh, two materials. Like you can have a luster or you can have a metal print. Um, that's pretty and, much what so, I do too. Yeah. <laughs> so that's a great, great way to narrow in on um, thinking through like, okay, if I'm a customer, what are the questions I'm going to have? Am I going to understand all these steps that I have to fill out? And it's kind of like what you said earlier with that Amazon, like buy it now, right? The less people have to do, uh, the more likely the person is to, to complete the purchase. Uh, you know, every step, every additional step that they have to do is another place where they're going to drop off. You're going to lose them. Uh, and you know, one fallacy that I've seen a lot of photographers do is they don't offer prints on their website. They say, email uh-huh, me. Uh-huh. Uh, and, and, you know, uh, the reason I want you to email me is cause I'm going to, you know, customize the print exactly for what you want. Well, right there, you know, the person was looking to buy a print. They weren't looking to email you. Uh, and so right away, their first click is to close the window, not to email you. And so oh. that's one way where a lot of landscape photographers lose lose a sale before they even have yeah, a chance. I was talking to Jack Brower about that because he kind of has his own uh, web design service he provides too. And, you know, his point was like, you know, buying photography for a lot of people is kind of an impulsive thing. Like, you know, it's not like you did a lot of research and you're like, okay, I know exactly what car I want to buy and it has to have these features. Like <clears throat> for most people, it's, oh, that's a pretty picture. I want that in my living room. Bye. And, uh, they, uh, what I found is like the less options you give people in terms of like what um, like print medium and sizes, the better because like the less decisions they have to make between wanting to click buy and doing it is the better. Exactly. 
<laughs> it's hard to do that though if your platform isn't set up to facilitate that. <laughs> yeah, you know, I've seen a lot of people who will uh, use PayPal integrations, and they'll just, you know, they'll offer three sizes, one paper type, and even that's a great way. Even if the website platform that that you use doesn't right. offer that kind of print lab integration, that's a great way to just offer something for them to be able to click pay, and uh, and you know, let you know that they want this print, and either you can go. Um, fulfill it or work with the lab to fulfill it. It's funny though, because um, what I found, because <clears throat> a lot of my a lot of my photos are like weird sizes, like a lot of panoramas and stuff like that, and you know you can't just it's you have to pretty much self fulfill all that stuff. And so what I did for probably two years is I just put like uh, contact me, kind of like you were saying, you know. And I probably sold one photo of those types that whole time. And so what I finally had to do is like figure out exactly how much it would cost and add those in as custom products. Like it was super painful to do, but um, it's worked out pretty well. But um, how, how do you recommend that people um, figure out what to price their photos at? Uh, experiment is really the key. Um, <laughs> You know, that's one of the things that we do. And one of the, the tasks as a product manager is we just experiment all the time. And you may see this on uh, Facebook and Instagram and things where, you know, a, a person will have a certain feature that you don't have or something will be one way when you looked at it one day and two days later it's different. Um, so with pricing, experiment. You know, one of the things, it, the first step is, okay, the print is going to cost me this much uh, and it's going to cost me this much to ship it and I want to make some money, so it's got to be higher than that. Uh, <laughs> right. And then, right? <laughs> and then the, ne the next question is, well, how much higher? And as I go up in price uh, or in size, how much more do I want to make typically a uh, customers expect that I the larger the print, the larger uh, the cost will be. Um, one thing to do is to look at other photographers that, that you like and uh, base your pricing off theirs. Um, and then from there, experiment. Lower, lower it for a bit and see if that helps raise it for a bit. I've heard many people, uh, there's a, a phenomenon with, you, with clients that, hey, if it's expensive, it must be good. So sometimes I've heard uh, people who raise their prices and end selling more. Yeah. Um, and then one other tactic that I've seen also work very well is to take advantage of coupons um, where you uh, raise your price by 25% and then offer a 25% coupon. <laughs> and it's just this. That's dirty, bro. You know, <laughs> it, it's, it's dirty, but, and, and I don't want, I mean, it, it's not necessarily dirty, it's business. It's, no, I <laughs> Right. It's, uh, you know, your time and the effort and the amount of work that you've done uh, and are all very costly. The equipment is costly. Uh, going on a trip is costly. I'm sure we're all processing these images for, you know, an hour or more sometimes. And so um, your time is obviously worth uh, the cost of the print. But sometimes you need to encourage people to to to, you know, take that plunge and and sometimes tactics like offering a coupon or a promotion can go into into helping that um, yeah i've then, definitely you know, found um offering coupons and discounts like for a limited time definitely drives interest i think the i think the 
challenge is figuring out like how frequently to do that because if people come to they just wait for you to do those and you're never going to sell stuff when it's not uh promoted or on sale um and i also i i've done all those experiments like i've done like raising my prices lowering my prices i it didn't seem to really matter it, it it to me it was more about for me personally and this is my my very limited experience in doing this stuff is um just talking more about why you think it's important that people should buy your photos. Um, I like in January I was laid off and I was like, well, I need to make some money. And so I actually put like a kind of call to action there to my, my Facebook fans. Like, Hey, I lost my job. If you ever wanted to buy my photos, this would be a great time. <laughs> and I, I made a yeah. few sales that way. Like, and I you know, I think you, can't do that all the time but i think um, putting a call to action out there and why you why you want people to do it i think i think that also works too but you have to be very selective and careful about how you do it yes certainly um you want to you want to create that sense of urgency a little bit sense of urgency of like this is why you should buy it you know car salesmen use that tactic all the time like they don't want you to walk out of the right. the dealership because they know if you walk out uh, they're going to lose lose your sale so there's a little bit of that too with online photography sales is there are so many photographers i mean just look at out there how many of this there are and probably somebody else has also taken a photo of the place that that you've that you, your photo is of, uh, unless you're a, a Noriega or a David Thompson or someone who's, uh, you know, going off and, do, and doing unique imagery, uh, there's going to be somebody else that they can buy from. So you kind of have to play into that sense of urgency of buy this before you go elsewhere. Um, but you also brought up something that uh, Nolan talked a little bit about, and uh, I know other other successful photographers who sell lots of prints do, which is they cultivate their audience and they cultivate their clientele. Mm. Um, they re they resell to them. They know exactly who, who their client, who their audience is. Um, and then they take advantage of the people who buy from them, because if you're willing to buy from, from me or from you once, then you're probably willing to buy a second time or you're willing to tell um, your friend who needs uh, a new print for their wall that, Hey, I got this this photo from this person. Uh, and that's one of the things that a lot of us don't take advantage of is we forget that um, these purchases are fairly big purchases. Mm. Somebody is going to spend a couple hundred dollars and they're putting this on their wall for themselves to enjoy and for others. And that means a lot to them. And so you've now gotten into their house and, and you can take advantage of that. And, and, um, you know, people use newsletters or uh, they create target audiences in Facebook so that they can go back to the people that have mm. purchased from them and uh, and utilize that and get those second, third, fourth purchases. Aaron Reed is somebody who does this extremely well. I'm constantly, you know, he, he'll post like, oh, I just sold $30,000 in prints and I'm sitting there grumbling at him. <laughs> Not because I'm mad that he's bragging, but that because I'm jealous. And, and the way he does that is he, he knows who his clients are and he goes back to them mm. and sells them more. So how I'm curious, have you figured out like how to do that in terms of like what you say to them? Um, for some of them, you know, it's just as simple as a monthly newsletter. You, you can set up using um, 
MailChimp or something, you know, sure. on, on your website, you could have a simple sign up form and people can add themselves. Or if uh, what I do, if somebody purchases a print from me, then I will manually add them uh, to the newsletter and they can always unsubscribe. Uh, they're, most people are used to the fact that if you purchase something, you end up mm-hmm, on mm-hmm. a newsletter. Um, you know, you do have to follow and uh, anti-spam regulations and make sure there's a unsubscribe link on there. Right. But, um, but one, you know, one way is just a monthly newsletter of, you know, here's what I've been up to, or, you know, here's a, a recent uh, photo that I've taken, uh, you know, go check it out on Instagram or whatnot. Um, and, and that's one way. And then another way is, uh, is also, um, stay local. Uh, a lot of the people that will buy prints, they're buying prints because, uh, your photography speaks to them or reminds you of a place that they've been. Uh, Nolan talked about it uh, in his, uh, appearance here where he said, you know, a lot of people will see this photo of a pond or a lake and they go, Oh, that's the lake down, down the road from, from my house. Uh, and then, and then they'll want to buy that print. Um, Aaron Reed does this, you know, he sells photos of the, the Portland, um, maple tree to a million people or so because that's local to them and they know it and it means something to them. Yeah. It's, it's, I was just gonna say, it's funny. Um, I, I, I started my photography, um, kind of, uh, I guess business you could say when I lived in Colorado Springs and a lot of my photos that I sold were from that area. And then uh, probably about three years after I really got kind of known there, I moved to Oregon and it was like I had to start all over again. It was like I had lots of people that were regularly buying my photos there in Colorado Springs. And then after I moved, it was like, oh, I don't have any customers. <laughs> you know, it's, yeah. it's hard to recultivate that again. It's I think but that saying local thing is huge like that's kind of but what i've been trying to focus on is like trying to find people here locally that are into this this area not really try to worry about becoming super well known in the world like i want to be super well known in my town you know exactly that's one of the biggest uh, mistakes that some of us make is that we try targeting everyone and when we do that we don't target anyone (laughs) <laughs> and really knowing who your audience is and, and focusing in on them. Um, you know, I, I've heard, you know, as much as people grumble sometimes about Michael Shamblum, he has a huge following of people who love Milky Way photos. And, and he knows that if I'm going to sell a print or if I'm going to, you know, make a video that sells, then it's got to be around Milky Ways because that's what my customers mm. want. And, I know, uh, you know, I've met Michael a number of times and he's a great guy in person and uh, takes great photos, but, he, you know, he's sick of, t- sometimes sick of taking yeah. Milky Way photos, but his, audi- his audience just wants Milky Way photos. And so, you know, there's a plus and a downside to knowing your audience, which is uh, sometimes it's hard to break away from what works uh, because your audience wants that. Um but there's also ways where you can use the insights on Facebook and Instagram to get a sense of who your audience is. Uh, they will all give you some demographic information, like what age group are the people that interact on my photos? Uh, where are they located? Um, 
what days do they come on and consume my photography? And you should hone in on that. If you see that on Thursdays at 9 a.m., most of your audience is online, well, then post on Thursdays at 9 a.m. when they're <laughs> online. Don't post on Sunday when most of your audience is not online. They're not going to see your photos then. Um, and then, you know, some people, I, you know, Erez mentioned that he does some Facebook advertising and things. Uh, you know, I haven't had much success myself with Facebook advertising, <laughs> um, but you can build cu custom audiences and you can use things like uh, Facebook pixels, which uh, if somebody comes to your website, uh, it'll uh, basically create a little history for Facebook to know that they came to your website. And so you can run ads specifically to these people and say, hey, you were interested in my work, I'm going to push push you an ad uh, or remind you. Does uh, SmugMug have support for Pixel? Um, not right now. That's not something we have. But, um, you know, if if you're, you know, using something like Jack's website uh, or some of the others, they, they may have it. And uh, definitely a big feature request we see uh, at SmugMug. Well, I know Zenfolio doesn't have it yet. <laughs> yeah. You know, I've... I know a lot of other people are asking too. So, what are your thoughts on <clears throat> what are your thoughts on running Facebook and Instagram ads? Uh, you mentioned Eras. I notice like every week I log into Instagram, I see an Eras Maram ad for his workshops, and I'm like, yeah, I'm not probably the guy to target that to, but uh, that seems to work pretty well for you. So that's awesome. So, what are your thoughts on it? Yeah, I think it's very specific to a, a type of photographer um, or specifically who you are as a photographer. Um, those people that are running services, they're selling their self as a service, tend to be more successful with, mm -hmm. with ads. Um, trying to do ads to build likes never works. Um, the um, engagement just dies off. You yeah, might tell get, me about tell, tell us more about that because I, I, I've heard that from a lot of people, but it's never really been explained why. Um, yeah, so so obviously, so I, well, not obviously, but you can run ads for a number of different uh, goals. One of them could be likes to a specific post. Another could be likes to your specific page, uh, or you can run an ad that links to an outside URL. Um, and you know, in in the past, I think a lot of us have run ads against a specific post. Facebook pushes it very heavily: boost this post to increase engagement. Right. And, and you think, all right, this is going to be awesome. Uh, and, <laughs> and so you, you, you spend you spend 10 bucks <laughs> or 50 bucks or whatever. And okay, for that one day, you boosted engagement on that post. But people just liked the post. They didn't like your page. Yeah. So when you post another time, they're not going to come back and see that next photo. Uh, and then the other reason is um, something that some people love or hate. And if uh, we, we have some time later and we start talking about the Vero app, uh, which is the fact that uh, there's algorithms to determine which content you want to see and you don't want to see. And one like on a post is not going to tell that algorithm that this person cares enough about your topic to show mm -hmm. it again. So, um, you know, it takes multiple likes and, and comments and things before the algorithm says, okay, uh, this fan of yours really wants to see see this content. And in many ways, you're targeting your not fans, so they have never engaged with you before. So running a post that just says, I want more likes on this, or running an ad doesn't usually work. It tends to be people like Erez, uh, or um, I see a lot of 
maternity family photo photographers, wedding photographers who take advantage of a Facebook pixel tracker or advertising where they're selling themselves as a service and people are interested in the service rather than as, yeah. uh, clicking a, a like button. And those tend to be much more successful. Yeah. It would be nice if, um, Facebook told you like who, who is in your quote unquote algorithm, like who is kind of targeted to receive your posts because then it would be, then you could be like, Oh, that's, that's, those aren't the people that I want to target for my ads. And I've done, I've dabbled in some Facebook ads and for the most part, it feels kind of broken because like you have to pick different, you don't have to, but you can pick like target people with interests in these things. And it's like, or in these locations. And I don't know, like it never feels to me like it's targeted enough in terms of how I would want to structure um, who sees it, you know, like it's, it seems almost like you're shooting from a shotgun sometimes. Like I don't, I don't. And I, every time that I've dabbled uh, in it, I've never had good results in terms of um, like, I've even set up a landing page on my website just for a Facebook ad um, with like a call to action and like nothing happened. And I, and I think I put like a hundred dollars into it. It wasn't cheap and then nothing happened at all. I was like, well, that was a waste of money. You know what I mean? Yeah. Some of it is hard because, uh, you know, again, putting yourself in the, the shoes of the user uh, or of this client or potential customer, they may click on the link, but then what happens when they get there? Um, yes, you built a landing page, but is there something compelling on the landing page or, right. or maybe they were actually interested and they couldn't find that pesky buy button. Um, Hey, come on, come on. Right. <laughs> I mean, I, I've had that on my own. I've had a, a, a coworker at my old company <laughs> said, Oh, Hey, Hey, I really want to buy this photo of yours. And I was like, there's a giant buy button right over the photo. How did you miss it? And she's like, Oh, I was too busy looking at your photo. <laughs> oh dude it's the worst like whenever someone tells me they want to buy a photo from now i don't even tell them to go through the website i'm like just send me an email or call me or like let's just talk on facebook and i'll tell you how much it'll cost you and what options are available because and i can give them some personal like coaching in terms of like what might work better for their situation because every time i tell them well just just click buy like it just Oh, it turns into a fiasco every time. Well, that's a, another reason to stay local. And, and that was one thing I was going to mention as well, which is um, utilize the network of people that you know. You're always going to have a better chance of selling to somebody who you know you can talk to. They can ask you, hey, what is that difference between the luster and the metallic? It's much right. easier to, to do that in a spoken conversation uh, or over the phone. Uh, and you can ask them, you know, well, how much light is in the room? Is it going to be glary? Uh, you know, exactly. Those kinds of questions. And, and before you know it, they're like super excited. Um, so that's another reason why knowing exactly who your audience is and staying on them, if it's local, if it's, you know, for someone like Erez who can target, uh, he's targeting photographers, right? He's selling right. workshops. Um, so he, he targets, you know, that's why you got the ad is cause you're a right. photographer who, who's interested in traveling and hiking and, and doing the kinds of things that you would do on one of his workshops. Um, right. And so he, he, probably he, should specifically make it to where, he should probably make it to where his ad doesn't go to someone who's unemployed. <laughs> <laughs> 
uh, sorry, man, I can't go anywhere right now, but uh... <laughs> I'll come if you're down at ninety eight percent, right? Actually, it's funny. Uh, one of my podcast listeners suggested to me a while ago that I offer to anyone who does workshops that I will go on your workshop for free and like rate it and then like do a whole podcast on how good your um, <laughs> your workshop was. And I was like, that just sounds way too commercial to me. Like, I don't think anyone would go for that, but maybe they would. I don't know. You know, there's a, a lot of podcasts that do things like that where they, they follow, um, you know, a business or, or a trip or something and, uh, and, and sort of tell the story of the trip. Yeah. Well, if anyone wants to, uh, and have me go in your workshop for free and have me do a podcast with you in the field, let's do it. <laughs> yeah. Uh, I'm just uh, sitting here watching my email not fill up right now. So, <laughs> So photographing Iceland, the, the, the behind-the-scenes story. Right. Oh, it's just like everyone else who went to Iceland. No, I'm just kidding. Um, okay, so um, one of the questions I have for you um, is uh, you you kind of mentioned to me um, why you said why your following isn't as big as you think, and I was curious what you meant by that. What does that mean? Yeah, uh, I I just had a nice discussion with this uh, on a post Colby Brown made the other day uh, where people say things like, oh, well, the algorithm changed overnight and I had 130,000 followers, but only 2,000 see my photos. Um, And when these websites report your followers, these are the people who at one point said, I care about this photo or this person or this company or whatever they're following. But that doesn't mean they still care about it or that they ever cared about it more than just, okay, I'm flipping through a bunch of things. Um, The people who are your followers, the real followers are the ones who are actively and consecutively engaging with your work. Uh, So if this this photographer said, I have 130,000 followers, but only 2,000 ever like my photos, well, no, your following is really two thousand, <laughs> right. um, and we like we like the dopamine high of knowing, like, okay, I have this bigger number. Uh, but if they're not seeing and consuming my our photography, then they're not really one of your followers. Uh, they're not your audience, uh, and we need to stop targeting them, right? Because they they are indicating, they are telling you with their their lack of liking or lack of commenting that they just don't care that much, or Maybe they do care, but they care more about something else or someone else. And it's it's hard to tell ourselves, oh, there's someone else or something else that they like better than my work. But it's sort of also the, the truth, which is they're just not seeing my content and I should stop worrying. Yeah, about it. no, I think there's definitely some truth in that. Um, I guess my only... Um... Not to be argumentative, but my only <laughs> my only counter to that is that um, I've noticed personally that um, some of my favorite photographers that I would love to see every single one of their posts, and I know I could, um, I know I can force that through certain actions in Facebook or whatever to like give me a notification when they post or whatever, but. You know, I've noticed a lot of the people that I would really love to see their newest stuff, like, I just don't see it. Unless I actually, like, 
oh, I wonder what uh, Aaron Myers is up to lately. And I go search for your page. I'm like, oh, shit, look at all those great photos he's taken. You know what I mean? Like, um, I've just noticed that um, unless they sponsor it, like my friend Kane, he sponsors almost all of his posts for like $5. And he's even noticed like that's really not that effective of a strategy. But at least I know when he posts because I see it because he sponsored it. And I think that algorithm, that complaint about the algorithm, I think is legit. But I also know exactly what you're saying too is also true, that the people that are actually liking your content are the ones that actually want to see it too, for the most part. But I think there is some people that get lost in the algorithm kind of mess that they've created out there. For sure. Um, And some of it is just uh, the algorithms are they're new and they're going to get better. Um, These companies, Facebook and Instagram and all that, they live and die on engagement and people continuously coming back and uploading more content. So they're going to make those algorithms get better. Yeah. The second thing is that there's also a conflicting algorithm, which is they're trying to push you to pay for reach. Right. And uh, so they, even though they may know somebody wants to see your photography, they may say, oh, well, we would rather have this person pay to get that. And that part sucks. And I hate that. And I, I wish it wasn't that way. Um, photography for me is um, a secondary thing. My, you know, I, I have a real job that I love. Uh, so I don't need to make money. I, and I don't make money from my photography. So it doesn't make sense for maybe you and I who, who have great outside jobs and photography is a hobby to be investing our, our money just so our fans can see it. And, and that really sucks. Uh, but the third part of it too is just that there's so much content these days, right? Um, right. You are following your 200 friends and then uh, you're following the 300 other photographers and you're following a hundred companies of products that you enjoy and everybody is posting content every single day. And, and there's just no way that anybody can consume that much. You know, by the time you get a hundred posts down, you're either reading the text message that just came through or the email, or you're going back to your job or whatnot. And so by the time you would have gotten to that post, you've, uh, you know, gone away from the app right. and that's the hard part. And that's, um, if we slightly switch, that's where I think Vero, the Vero app that everyone is raving about right now, <laughs> that's going to be their biggest struggle, which is um, they say that they don't have an algorithm that limits reach. Um, and that may be great, but uh, I would counter that with the fact that uh, when 500 people are posting and your photo is the 500th and one, uh, your visitors are not st- are going to see less of your photos than they did before with this algorithm that at least said, hey, this person who really cares about your photography will get mm-hmm, to see it. Mm-hmm. So that'll be their struggle to figure out how do they, they stay um, able to keep people engaged with the content that they really care about. Yeah. No, I think social media game is it's so hard because I, I've been a huge uh, user of social media from the beginning and uh, I don't have a whole lot to show for that um, but it still fascinates me it's almost like game theory you know like I'm trying to figure out like how do I structure a post that actually will engage people and want them to like have a conversation like 
And and me personally, like I try to explain to people, I'd rather have, you know, 4,000 fans and have 500 of them like always engaged than to have like 25,000 fans and a thousand of them engaged. Like I'd rather have a much more kind of niche um, engaged audience than a broad, huge audience that maybe sometimes engages, but I haven't really figured out exactly how to like mold and shape that reality really to its fullest potential. Probably because I'm like you said, like we're not doing this full time and it's not our business. So it's like, eh, when I have time to think about it, I will. When I don't, I don't. Yeah. <laughs> well, that's where it comes back to your following is not as big as you think it is, right? You would rather right. have that 400 that engage or the 4,000 that regularly engage than the bigger number with only 1,000, right? In that sense, the 4,000 is higher than the 1,000. Um, yeah, for sure. For sure. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Uh, there's um, some people who do it really well. Uh, like Colby Brown is somebody who I see, you know, huge engagement. He's he's really a great social media guy. He knows he knows exactly what to post that's gonna get me to write and leave a bunch of comments, and then other people are gonna see that I'm commenting and writing on that. Um, and and he has, you know, he even struggles for reach, but he does. He's one of those people that just kind of knows how to how to get people commenting i've seen david thompson's actually pretty good with it um just just by creating posts that people want to ask about um, mm-hmm, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. and then be, being there to, to host a discussion on it yeah 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 it's funny like i uh, there's a lot of super talented photographers out there that just have no idea how to do marketing and social media and like uh, that's one of the most common things that I have people ask me is like, uh, so if I post on Instagram and people comment, should I answer all of those comments? And I'm like, yeah, you probably should, unless it's just like a emoticon or something <laughs> like that's how people like want to come back and see your stuff. Hey, you should get a social media guy like Colby to, uh, come on, come on the podcast. Yeah, yeah. I feel like maybe he paid you a little bit to say that. No, just kidding. <laughs> no, it's funny too, though, because I feel like um, it's kind of frustrating to me as a you know smaller guy. I've noticed people, I mean, I don't know if you feel this way or not, but I, I can sometimes tell when people are just posting stuff just to get engagement or if they're posting stuff because it's something they genuinely give a shit about. Like, uh and I can usually see through that. And it just, it bothers me when it's like, well, I'm just doing this because I want to get people to engage in my posts. It's not because it's a topic I care about. It's tough because then when they do have something that they want to post about or that they want you to see with these algorithms now, yeah, it's really hard if they, if people haven't engaged in, in the past. Um, so it's right. It's this balance of having, to understand that if I want the things that I really love and care about to be enjoyed by the people that I want to enjoy it, that I have to do a couple of these things right, uh, right, right. To, to keep up with it. Yeah. It's, it's uh, another thing I noticed people do that. Um, I don't know if you've noticed this too, but it, it's absolutely one of the things that drives me bonkers about Facebook. And I know that it works for some people is like, they'll post a photo on their page, you know, Um, and then they'll post that photo in like 30 groups and then they'll post it on the wall of like any semi-related 
company or brand or news site that may even remotely give a shit about that photo. And then, you know, inevitably, like one or two of those posts actually pays out and then they reshare it to their 100,000 or 50,000 fans or whatever. And it works. But it's like this, this, I mean, uh, uh, pardon the French, but it's like this social whoring out of yourself on social media that like I see people do it. I always cringe every single time because I'm like, that is just gross, man. Some people have, have figured it out. You know, I, I look and I see people have 100,000 followers and here I have my measly, you know, 1,700 or something. Yeah. And you, you're like, what am I doing wrong? Um, and I, if I knew that on social media, obviously I'd be doing better. Uh, most of where I've focused my attention has been on things like uh, website SEO. How do I optimize that so that I can get reach, uh, you know, t- to my website and... Um, what SEO is one of these big black holes where uh, who knows how Google and Bing and them do it, but um, <laughs> we we try to do our best, uh, you know, to to make uh, our photography website be found when people are doing searches, and that's one of the things that can go into print sales and, and trying to be found amongst all the others is how do you build that SEO? And there's some odd surprises that um, I never would have realized had I not started researching uh one of the biggest things was uh, how bad a custom domain is for your seo um, mm. and most people think like oh I, i'm gonna have this professional website and my customers are gonna care that i have this professional website and it's gonna make them want to buy my photos uh, so i'm gonna go buy a custom domain and you know admires photography or mattpainphotography.com um but uh, SEO is is a lot based on um, two factors. Uh, there, there's some phrases that people use called domain authority and page authority. And basically what that says is uh, page authority is how important is this page to people? Um, and domain authority is how important is this domain? Everything on this website, how is that? How important is that? Uh, a site like nike.com or nikon and canon.com or wiki wikipedia Wikipedia, right (laughs) they all have huge domain authority they know people are linking to it they know people are browsing them that they're buying things from them uh so anything on nike.com or canon.com or nikon.com there that's going to be uh rank high in searches uh whereas um you know joeschmophotographer.com has very low domain rank and they're any page you put, any photo you put, Google and Bing just says, well, we don't think anybody cares about that. So when when we have to list search results, it's going to be low. Um, so people don't think about like, okay, if I use, um, you know, uh, well, I hear, all the, I hear a, lot of, a lot of people say, well, if you search for my photos, uh, it comes up in, in Flickr or it comes up on 500 pixels. So why is their SEO so much better? Well, 500 pixels and and Flickr have really high domain authority, so your photos are going to show up there first. Right. Um, and and you know, so people think like, oh, well, having a custom domain makes me look more professional. It may look you make you look more professional for that very first touch that somebody sees your business card or the URL somewhere, and they go to that. But beyond that, they completely forget what your URL is. Yeah, and so if you if you have URLs that you know are um, uh, 
you know, wordpress.com. The reason WordPress puts powered by WordPress on the bottom is because not only it helps their SEO, but it helps your SEO because you're now linked back to them and they have a high domain authority. So when Google and Bing, which take advantage of linking and they say, um, we rate importance based on how many people link to this website. And then they see an important website like WordPress links to your website. They're going to then raise your domain authority or your page authority and say, this is more important. Yeah. So one thing I, well, I was going to say, one of the things that, um, that, that I always encourage people to do as photographers, um, is to have a blog and not just like, um, writing like three sentences about like what they shot that day. It's like, like think about really interesting topics. I mean, think about a guy like Guy Tao. Um, he writes really well and um, lots of people want to read his stuff and that's what he's become really well known for. Um, I feel like, you know, you can put a lot of keywords and stuff like that into blog posts, which then can link to your photographs. Um, I think that's a great way to raise your SEO is to have a blog with really, I mean, it's content, right? Content is king. That's what we've, like what I've always learned is, you know, you could have the most amazing photographs on their planet, but if you don't have content behind it that's driving visitors to your site, no one's ever going to see those photos. Yeah, I, th- I think the key that you said there was um, creating interesting content right. uh, and not just posting posting a story uh, or a, a photo. We, one of the biggest requests we get is, uh, how do I send in? Um, and a lot of the time, well, for one, I tell people to go to WordPress and then just link to their website because now you're taking advantage of that SEO domain authority between WordPress and your site. Um, but second, the, a lot of people, you, you ask them, well, why do they want to make a blog? And they're like, oh, well, I just want to post my photos to my blog. Well, you put yourself in the shoe of the user again. They're not coming to your blog. They are going to browse your photos on Facebook or Instagram or another social media platform, they're not going to just randomly browse to your blog. So just posting your photo to a blog isn't going to do much. I post all my photos to my blog and nobody ever sees it. The posts that people do care about are the ones that say something interesting. They tell a story. Uh, For me, it's, you know, the Horsetail Falls blog post where I post the times at which, uh, you know, the fire falls is going to occur. That kind of content is what gets people to come. And, and as you mentioned, you know, those are the kinds of things, you know, TJ Thorne recently started doing a blog on his new website and that's the kind of content where he's telling the story behind the photo that, uh, that will really get people to come, not just posting. Yeah. It's funny. The, my most popular blog post was a post I did about moving from Colorado Springs to Portland, Oregon. And like, talking about all the reasons why I wanted to do the move. It's a pretty long in-depth article about my thought process and why I did it and what I was thinking about. And, you know, people all over the world are thinking about moving all the time. And uh, it's amazing how many people come to my website were like, this is great. I liked your photos too, by the way. Like, you know what I mean? Like, because uh, I put, you know, I used all my own photography yeah. to kind of talk about different places. But um, it was, it's just, it's funny, like, that's my most popular blog post, and that's what draws the most people to my website is some article about me moving. <laughs> well, that just goes back to the part about staying local with your audience. Yeah, totally. So, um, wow, this has been super fun, man. Uh, we could probably talk for another 
200 hours about websites and how you design them and how do you get people to engage with your content on a website. But we're kind of out of time. So I wanted to ask you, who are some people that you think uh, would be interesting to have on the podcast, uh, especially from your perspective as a landscape photographer, but also as a product manager? Yeah, um, I'd been thinking I knew you were going to ask that. Uh, (laughs) You know, I will uh, second and third and fourth the uh, request to get CJ Kale and Nick Selway and Sarah and Ron. Um, on the podcast, uh, I've met all four of them and they're all amazing people. So it'd be great to hear from them. Um, but in line with the, you know, thinking you know, they, the, you've had some great photographers on here to talk about how to think about photography and taking the photo. Uh, but I, you know, one of the reasons I reached out and, and I'd love to hear more from people who are experts in the other side of photography, which is, you know, the social media or the outreach, uh, somebody like, um, Aaron Reed, who just sells tons and tons of photos, uh, or Chris Bricard, who, um, I've, I built his website and, uh, you know, he's, I think he's at like 4 million Instagram followers at, at this point. Um, you know, somebody like him who has turned landscape photography, into uh, this whole thing that people follow and love to engage in and inspires them. Uh, he would be somebody really cool. Nice. I think, yeah, uh, I definitely am planning on reaching out to Aaron for sure. Like, I think he's super interesting in terms of how he's capitalized on, you know, all of his marketing efforts. I think he's pretty smart in that regard. And, um, uh, Sarah and Ron, I'll be actually, I'll actually be at their house in a couple of weeks. So I'm planning on doing a podcast while I'm there with them and a couple other people that are going to be nice. there as well. So it should be, should be a good weekend. <laughs> well, yeah. Thanks for those recommendations, man. I super appreciate it. Yeah. Yeah. Well, cool, man. It's been uh, super fun. I think this has been a really fun discussion and I think a lot of people will get a lot out of it, especially if um, they have a website and they're not really quite sure what the hell they're going to do with it or if they're just thinking about building a website. I'm always amazed that the there's a lot of high caliber talent out there that don't have a web presence at all. Like It's like, really? Okay, that's interesting. So hopefully those listeners will kind of feel a bit more you know comfortable about uh, how to do that. How can uh, people get in touch with you out there in the interwebs? Uh, I'm pretty much everywhere. Uh, I guess I started on Flickr and then uh, mostly now Facebook and Instagram, Aaron M. Photo. Uh, and I'm glued to my phone and tablet and everything. So. <laughs> um, and I'm, you know, we're landscape photographers, so I'm usually up till two in the morning working on some photos. So I'm usually always around. Absolutely. Cool, man. Well, that's, that's awesome. I, I appreciate it. And it's been a, it's been a fun one. Awesome. Thanks for having me.